Hello, and welcome to Faultline's RNDF special series, Understanding the Future of Tech Innovation and National Security. We're recording live in person from the Reagan National Defense Forum. I'm John Lipsy, NSI's Director of Policy, and I'm joined by NSI's Deputy Executive Director, Jessica Jones. Uh, joining us today is our special guest, Shannon Clark, the Head of Defense Growth at Palantir Technologies. Um, congratulations on the new role. Thank you. Um, Shannon previously served as Director of Counterterrorism at the White House for President Barack Obama and as an Intelligence Analyst in the Defense Department. She also serves as a Defense and Government Relations Advisor to Cambium, a firm specialized in evolving products in defense, aerospace, and space. At Palantir, Shannon oversees R&D as well as business development and strategic investments for defense. Shannon, thanks for joining us. Um, can you give us one or two brief illustrations on how Palantir partners with DOD and uh, supports our services in Warfighter? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me and uh, what a beautiful day it is and happy to be here. Um, I joked that I came to this event almost, not, maybe not 10 years ago, but probably nine or eight years ago, and I was the only one Palantir used to send. Um, and I came home from this event, and I thought I told everyone, I was like, hey, this is actually a really important event. Like, you get to see and hear from the most important leaders in defense, so I think maybe we should send another person next year. Um, you know, fast forward, yeah, now. fast forward, you know, I'm lucky if I get a seat at the table, um, and, you know, just being the lead sponsor, but not only that, just having Dr. Karp here and get, getting to listen to him speak on the panel this morning um, is quite exciting. And for me, I appreciate that our leaders uh, take this forum so seriously now. So with that, you know, I think people, and then 10 years ago, people didn't even know how to say Palantir or spell it. And then we're in a much different place now. And when I would tell people, you know, I work at Palantir and had to explain what we do and who we work for, it was a very challenging task. Um, but I think today, Dr. Karp said it really well when he said, you know, our job and our responsibility is like working on some of the most important missions in the world um, and the most important data challenges. And national security is one of those. Um, and what a better place to be than here listening to like the most important people in national security talk about their challenges. So for us, you know, I think you heard his support this morning, which was very overt on Israel and Ukraine. Um, in terms of the data challenges that we do there, I can't speak into the specifics because I want to make sure that I'm, you know, being um, thoughtful of our customers. But if you think of anything data challenge that those countries might be facing right now, whether it's integrating intelligence data or commercial imagery or media to be able to understand where they want to apply assets or they want to understand the enemy, uh, Palantir is integrating all of that data into our platform. Uh, and so we do this, you know, like I said, just, you know, with our allies, but then here on the home front, you know, spending a bunch of time uh, working with the Department of Defense to do the same thing, not just for the threats today, but what might those threats be in the future? I think we saw some on those beautiful graphs this morning and you saw China at the top of the list. How do we think about what that picture looks like. And so how do we help analysts, operators, policymakers, logisticians um, understand what those data challenges are? So on the defense side, that's a lot of what we do. On the commercial side, it's much more fun, like working with some of the commercial airlines to figure out like when you have that maintenance challenge and you know, you're standing at the gate and they say, this, you know, the engine has some sort of failure. Like, how do you quickly swap that plane out for the next plane? 
Palantir's platform, the Foundry platform, is backing the decisions that um, you know the operations folks in the commercial airlines and some of those commercial airlines are making to swap it out. So I always kind of joke like, when I know a few of the people that work on one airline in particular, and I'm always like, is, am I going to get a plane today and get out of here? Uh, but in all seriousness, it's you know things like that or working with manufacturers to understand their products more. Um, so, but for me, the most important ones, and I think as we sit here today are the ones that help with critical national security. So like I said, helping understand where the forces are in the world, where the threats are in the world, how to get, you know, forces and um, whether it's ammo or and, and um, weapons, et cetera, to those places, you know, those are the data challenges that we're supporting today. So how has that challenge changed over the 10 years, or has it changed, yeah. or how has Palantir evolved to, to try to solve for that challenge over the time, the 10 years you've yeah. been volunteer, where, where do you see it kind of going over the next couple of years? Well, when I first started in almost 12 years ago, it was very much focused on the counterterrorism mission, which you never really hear spoken about today. It's focused on how do we support analysts bringing in all those different yeah. intelligence data sets. And I always say, had I had Palantir when I was in Afghanistan in 2009, I feel like I would have been a much better analyst. I would have been a more accurate analyst. I would have probably, I don't know that I would have gotten more sleep because I don't think when you're deployed in those environments you ever really sleep. Um, but uh, it was very much focused on the counterterrorism mission. And, you know, then our commercial work started to kick off and we started to work with some of the big banks, et cetera. But today, when I think about um, the work that we're doing, it's incredible to see, like I said, some of the other challenges that support national security. like. We ne I don't know that we would have even thought at the time about doing something in the logistics field. Like, we really went from Intel, and then we kind of moved to ops, and then we moved to, wow, we could help with personnel and readiness. I mean, readiness and company encompasses so many things. Um, but we were, in the beginning, and, and it was by definition, like, when we were founded as a company, that was our mission, to, to help with the, um, the counterterrorism mission and, and securing... Um, the United States, but now just like all the ways that you can extrapolate that into like, like I said, readiness and logistics like I don't think we, I definitely wasn't thinking of those 10 or 12 years ago but the way that we've been able to kind of broaden the platform of what we can do the broaden like the amount of data and, or not even the amount, the types of data that we're integrating I think has really been impressive um, over the last decade and where is it going I mean, you've seen to me, I'm most excited about space. Um, you've seen like all of these assets and all these small companies now that are building up in that field. It's really cool to see what they're doing, and I'm really excited to work with them. Almost two years ago now, we launched Palantir on a satellite. That I was like, I mean, again, never would have thought of that yeah. 10 years ago. Um, but how do we kind of push forward there? And then um, mixed reality. That's like a big thing that we just kind of um, launched or just like, exposed maybe, let's say, two months ago now where are we in November, December, at AUSA, where we talked about uh, our idea of putting Palantir in some of the mixed reality platforms you've seen advertised at, you know, Apple obviously has a product coming out, um, Meta launched a product this year, like how do we incorporate Palantir into that realm? That's going to be something that we're going to be focusing on the next year. Um, what have you learned about the adoption of AI and some of these other new technologies, yeah. drone, use of drones, what have you, from the, um, from the conflicts that yeah. are really going right now in Ukraine and Israel? Well, first of all, it's like, so, I mean, the people that are that have AI or that need AI are really the young folks that are in the military, and they can adapt to it pretty quickly. I think people are sometimes scared. You know, I think we heard Senator Ernst this morning say, you know, AI meant something very different to her in her home state, um, being an ag state, and that people don't really understand what AI is. But the fact of the matter is, like, 
the young men and women um, that are actually being asked to use these things are so adaptable and they use them every day in their daily life anyways. So for us, you know, giving them AI and like giving them the capabilities that we have and putting it in their hands and seeing, and they also have a high tolerance for like testing things and seeing where they fail and then giving you feedback. And it's usually pretty direct feedback on how it's working and what's not working quite frankly. And so we think it's really important to like test, test, test. I mean, we always, you know, in Silicon Valley, everyone says fail fast. And so we're really interested in doing that with our partners. We're, we're doing that a lot at some of these exercises that we're supporting with the government. And then I think what we've seen is just like what we've seen in Ukraine, like the warfare is just totally different, you know, like, and, but the ability to adapt. And I think we talked about this a little bit with some of the panelists this morning, adapt and learn from that. And then bring those lessons learned back has been really incredible for us in terms of, um, the times, like I said, to kind of like turn around what we've built and like any new changes we want to make and then kind of incorporate those back into the platform. So we're using stuff not just from exercise, but we're really using it from what we're seeing going on in the Ukraine and what we're seeing in Israel and then bringing that those lessons learned back and building a better product. And so Palantir is well established in our, uh, in our defense department, our yep. services, um, our IC. And so you can quickly sort of... Um, take those lessons learned and, and bring them into your platform and then they're there and available for yeah. everyone that's using it. Um, so sort of shifting gears a little bit though, you know, Michelle Flor and I wrote a, a piece recently in um, Foreign Affairs, you know, highlighting the continuing challenge of the Department of Defense of adopting AI, adopting new technologies and, and uh, adopting them, scaling them, being able to have that feedback loop that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, she talked about some of the challenges around acquisition on the front end, around scaling it, around funding flexibility, just IT infrastructure, DOD talent. Um, what? How does it look from where you sit of uh, the challenges that, you know, the Defense Department, the IC, others have of, of being able to bring in new um, uh, new technology, new companies uh, yeah. into the pipeline to, to be able to have that faster cadence of, um, of evolution of, of uh, what they're, how they're using technology in the fight. Yeah, well, first let me say, you know, Michelle is a brilliant um, individual, and I've always admired her and, and looked up to her um, since I got to sit in, in rooms with her in the White House and in the Pentagon years ago, and I just, I, I read her article when it came out and was just, you know, impressed by the way that she spoke about these things, because I, I love the fact that she said, you know, like, we have to be pushing it forward, we have to be, you know, we, we can't slow down, um, our adversaries are not going to slow down, because a lot of people have been reticent to kind of push and say that we need to, you know, they've talked about having to scale back or that we're not ready, and I, I, I don't agree with that, I very much agree with what Michelle said in that article. Um... I think that also one of the most amazing things that I've seen over the last 10 years is not just how Palantir's product has evolved and really kind of been able to push the limits of the data integration challenges I saw when I first started, but the ecosystem of defense contractors and has evolved so much too. I mean, I joke, but in all seriousness, when I left the government, or when I left the government, I looked at like Google and maybe I can't remember like the one other place and then Palantir and it, there was... There were none of these other companies out there that were, you know, there was no um, Andrel or Scale AI or Primer or, you know, any of these space companies. Maxar, well, Maxar was in existence in a previous name, but Hawkeye, through, you know, all of these space companies. Space, I'm sorry, SpaceX was there, right? Um, but it's evolved so much and grown so much, and it's really exciting for us at Palantir because 
they're building things that we're not going to build. You know, I was just sitting down with our friends at Maxar, and I was like, well, we're never going to build, Palantir's never going to build a satellite that we're going to put in space. So for us, we want to integrate that data. We want to be able to provide that data to the users as one of those many sources I mentioned earlier. And for us, it's like, we want them to succeed because the things that they're building are so critical and important, and they're things that we're not going to build, and they're things that their smart engineers are building better than anyone. So it's in our best interest to help promote them. So I, Sham has talked about this a lot in his recent blog posts, but he talks about First Breakfast, where we have, like, and Sham in particular and, and Aki have, like, gone through the drudges of, like, building all this infrastructure, getting it up to standards of, like, all the security challenges that some of which Michelle mentions in the article, you know, whether it's just, like, access to facilities or access to networks or whatever. And so we want to do what we can to bring those companies into our ecosystem, bring them along to help make sure that more of them succeed uh, and that there are more Palantirs, more SpaceXs of, uh, of the world that can get through kind of some of those barriers, which are really challenging. Um, so we do that on a few of our different contracts. We are on, on the Titan work that we're doing with the Army. We are actually the software prime. And so we're trying to build up some of those other vendors. And I think we'll continue to do that over the next few years because we want to champion them and make sure that they succeed. And you know, speaking of the tech um, ecosystem and yeah. tech superiority, which is clearly a theme here at RNDF, you know, as we think about U.S.-China tech competition yeah. um, and how the U.S. is faring, you know, what keeps you up at night when you think about the tech race? Um, what keeps me up at night is just like preparing for the scale of what we think could potentially happen. Um, I think we're so good, you know, when I mentioned when I started, I had previously come from being in the counterterrorism world and I understand, like I've, I've watched, you know, strikes happen and I've seen them and they're very surgical and whatever, but like, how do you do that at a scale that you might be talking about for this, a future war? I don't think it's anything that we know and we've seen. And so um, when you think about all of the military leadership in this country, a lot of them who are at the most senior ranks right now, thankfully they've spent a lot of time in the special operations community. They understand a tempo that's really high paced, but none of us have ever seen what that scale looks like. And so how do we make sure that we're training for that? That is what, and how do we make sure that we're ready to do it? Um, and so I know we talk about this kind of like 18 month cycle of like building something and then being able to deploy it. But I, I'm, I'm mostly kind of on the hardware side, but I really think that it's, it's going to be something that if, you know, if we were to go to war with China, it's like, do, do we really ha understand that scale? And I don't think that people in America understands what that scale looks like. So that's kind of why I'm like, we need to practice, practice, you know, practice, practice, practice because it's going to be something new to us. How do you take in that scale of information? Yeah. Data? How do you make decisions? Or just make decisions. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's mostly like, I think we can handle the integrating the data. Yeah. I think that we can handle, I mean, we talk about this all the time. A lot, every per customer we have always says, well, we have so much data. We have so much data. And even, in, especially our military customers. But then we're like, you know, we integrate all of the data on every BP, um, well, like, well. And that is way more than you can ever imagine. I mean, just all the data, the sensors, or, like, all the sensors coming off of all the Airbus aircraft. I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. It's more how do you make the decisions at scale? And that's the part where it's, like, it's not just going to be one general saying, like, okay, I sign off on you striking this house because this person we think is sleeping there. It's, like, this the scale that we're going to have to make decisions at is something that I don't think any leader has ever encountered before. Shannon, thanks for joining us. Yeah. That's a wrap. <laughs>
Thanks, uh, thanks for so much me. to Devlin Bernie, Colin Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's special episode live from RDF 2023. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard or saw, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe.